This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to Matthew Pumala, Colin Wincanen, Chuck Kokolos, Nathan Olson, and Daniel Young, five incredibly young people with incredible recurring donation powers. Dedicated, inseparable, invincible, and this one goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rob. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, killer ninjas, bondage, giant robots, dinosaurs, and Rob... And one of these things is not like the other. We're wishing on a fallen star, waiting for the early train. It's take two, but season's crying, no despair. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. And what in the world is an alligator lizard, anyway? Hey, everyone. Welcome to issue 417 of the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad that you could join us again this time. So glad we could be here this time as we try to navigate (laughs) through GD technical issues. The internet has the many horrors of, for The you. cost of, well, it also has many horrors as well. The Indeed. cost of trying to bring a podcast to you each and every week increase. <laughs> Let's get to some news. <laughs> of course, we've got uh, DC announcing a new zero month, maybe again. Yeah. Uh, first Class, the uh, X-Men movie, looks like it might be getting a very familiar storyline. Changes mm-hmm. to the cartoon lineup on both Disney XD and the Cartoon Network mean, mean big changes. For the Avengers and the Teen Titans. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny and see where we land. We landed in 1994. Yeah, it seems like it. Many of you who are old enough, I don't know if Rodrigo and Rob, you guys are old enough to remember this, but way back in the day, DC Comics did an event called Zero Hour. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mini reboot to their uh, effed up universe at the time. <laughs> And, of course, uh, last year, last September, we got uh, the launch of an all-new 52. Mm -hmm. We've seen titles come, we've seen titles go, and it looks like in September, DC is saying, hey, you know all those questions that you've been having and been asking about the new 52, some backstories on certain characters, you know, what's really going on? Well, we're going to draw that out another month by introducing the Zero line. Every title that comes out from DC Comics in the month of September will not have a number 12 on it. They will all have number zeros on them. Hmm. Matthew, what is the point of a zero issue, please, for our listeners who are well, not, his- uh, not familiar with that concept? Historically speaking, a zero issue has been used one of two ways. In some cases, it's used to precede issue one to serve as kind of a teaser, almost like a a spoiler or a coming attraction trailer at the movies. Alternately, a zero issue is often used as a, what they call in in the parlance these days, a good jumping on point. A here's some backstory or a clean origin or a place where you can go, here's everything you need to know about, you know, Spud Man and the Legion of Turnip Heroes. Right. And that, that zero issue usually often comes with a new status quo. Sure. And of course, in times past, we've seen zero issues being offered as maybe an incentive for mm-hmm. um, publishers as they're trying to market or sell um, a uh, a new title. What was that? Um, what was that firefighter superhero dude? Ash. Ash. I've got a couple of the Ash Zero issues that I yeah. collected at various. Cons. I actually have a Defiant Zero issue that consisted of 
not a comic book, but individual panels in trading card form. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, that was Jim Shooter back in the 90s. Well, DC says the Zeros will be standalone stories. Some issues will tell the origins of a character or a team, or in some cases where an origin has already been told, they will fill in the blanks in terms of questions readers have about the new 52 DC universe, said Bob Harris, who's the editor-in-chief over at DC, uh, DC oh, Entertainment. God, Bob Harris is editor-in-chief. <laughs> Each of these issues promises to reveal something surprising. Rob, is this surprising? That they're doing another big gimmick month, or...? (laughs) Whoa, well done, Rob! The dark side is strong in this one. Nah, it doesn't seem surprising that they do something big for the uh, anniversary of the new 52. Okay, what about you, Rodrigo? Um... Well, I'm not. I'm not really surprised about it. Uh, although I'm not entirely sure what they're going for. I mean, I I can see that they're launching some new titles as well. Yeah, you know, there are um, a number of titles that are dropping, and if you've read the solicitations mm. uh, for DC, there are a couple of uh, titles that are coming to an end. Obviously, Justice League International. We knew that a couple right. of months ago. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing uh, Voodoo get an end to her series. Um, yep. We Resurrection are, Man, Resurrection Man, and Captain uh, Adam, Captain Adam uh, are all getting the axe this month. I haven't had a chance to post the uh, top 300 titles for the month, but it wouldn't surprise me if those are floating somewhere near the bottom. Though why Captain the Adam Hawk and Man. Resurrection Man certainly certainly are. There are books that sell lower than those books. And those books are not getting canned, which is interesting. Well, yeah, especially I mean I don't know where the Savage Hawkman is, but. I know yeah. they shifted Rob Liefeld over to see what he yeah. what life he could breathe into uh, to that turkey, but uh, I know for a fact that Grifter sold fewer issues than Voodoo. Yeah, it's, it's at just, least in the last month. I guess I don't understand some of the. Uh, I mean, obviously we can look at the numbers. We don't know if the numbers are exact. Uh, I think probably the most exact, as far as the numbers go, is uh, ICV two, which they are within. I've been told many times they're within um, a few hundred issues of being correct each month. So, you know, if they've got Hawkman below those other titles, it's it's really surprising. Well, <laughs> well, you know, they're uh, who can tell what numbers Grifter is actually doing? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. he is a Grifter, so. right? Right, right. Uh, yeah. Good, well done. Yeah, and he, you know, hanging out with John Cusack and uh, that yep. crazy woman who wanted to play Catwoman. So I'm gonna a, I'm oh, gonna go say something here that I think is probably going to be a, maybe a lonely opinion. I'm all for this. Well, I am too. I think that the that the the zero issue is a good idea solely because they have given us this universe and they've put it together and said, "Okay, everything's new and everything's different and everything you know is wrong except for the stuff that we want to keep." And it's 5 years since the beginning of the DC universe and all these things have happened, but some of the stories that you remember may not have officially happened in this continuity. I think giving us more of the backstory, more of the the five years in that gap, even if it is going to seem like you know it's too soon or it's anticlimactic, I think that's a good thing. Here, here's the way I see it. I see this as a good thing too. But I think it's it's really telling in the statement that Bob Harris made to uh, the press that the zero hours will be standalone stories. So instead of these being just you know, we decided not to ship issue number twelve or thirteen or whatever it is that that we get up to issue thirteen. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this is DC's annual. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is this is how they're doing their... And now, I know we've had a few Batman annuals, and some of the other um, mm-hmm. books have had their annuals, but this is a company-wide annual, very much like the summer events 
that we saw in previous years. Now, granted, this one's in September, but, I mean, Zero Hour being a gimmicky event, the Bloodlines being mm-hmm. a, a big crossover event that really played out in the annuals. This kind of feels like an annual event to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is the, the anniversary hours. of the new 52. Right, exactly. So that's why, that's why I'm, I'm okay with this. Here's what I, here's what I think this, this is all about. <laughs> They're getting rid of some titles. They're adding right. some new titles. And, and basically, this is uh, DC going through and saying, prepare for publicity, Volley, because they're launching new titles. Yeah, exactly. They're launching new titles, so every title is going to have a jumping on point in September. Right, right. That's- so four new titles that, that are, that are uh, joining the uh, new 52, and DC and DiDio and everyone there has said that they want to keep yeah, them at 52 D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-
So, well, you know, at the very least, it's an indication that DC is at least trying to throw out some olive branches. One of the nice things about this series is it's written by Christy Marks, and if the name isn't familiar, probably some of her work has. Uh, she's worked on G.I. Joe, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, she's got Sisterhood of Steel all coming up. Uh, that's a comic series, but all of those are the animated TV shows. So she's got a track record of, of working on some big properties. She obviously knows how to tell uh, a good story, and so I'm kind of looking forward to uh, to that. What about your guys' reaction, Rodrigo or, or Rob? I'm interested. So was I. I was actually more interested in the second name on that, Tony Bedard. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's doing the backup story. Bedard. Yeah, he was on my favorite book for the longest time on Exiles, oh, okay. Marvel's Exiles. Uh, the uh, backup story that Bedard will be writing is set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. The monstrous warrior Beowulf is charged with finding and defending the evil Grendel, or defeating the evil Grendel. Nice. That's another uh, old-school DC title from 73 or 74. Yeah, cool. Granted, it's even older school than that, mm-hmm. but it's an adaptation <laughs> of, of the, that Beowulf myth. But yeah. I actually I have a complete run of those in the back issue bins, and it's one of the few books that I sat and very carefully read before I tagged them and bagged them. Excellent. Uh, Team 7 is the uh, fourth new uh, book to make an appearance. Um, I didn't look. Is G.I. Combat still in the lineup? That's the brand yeah. new... Uh, G.I. Combat is still... It, at least they haven't canceled it yet. Yeah, not canceled it yet. But Team 7, um, the uh, threads of the entire DC Universe collide in this new series set in the early days of the New 52 from writer Justin Jordan. Um, it's uh, got Grifter on the team, and uh, at least that's the only one that popped out uh, when I Steve looked at Trevor. it, Steve Trevor, I think it said Amanda Waller too. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, young. Uh, well, I guess Amanda Waller is thin in this in this uh, universe. Yeah, uh, she Dian- looks like Dian- uh, Lance. So we've got her in there. Steve Trevor, John Lynch, Alex Fairchild. Yeah. Um, Alex Fairchild. That's uh, um, what's her that's name's uh, Fairchild's, Fairchild's dad. dad. Yeah. Um, John Lynch was um, the head of uh, Gen Thirteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then of course we've got Slade Wilson. So they're all characters that <laughs> are very familiar with. Uh, that you're familiar with in the DC uh, pantheon. Slade Wilson or Wade Wilson? Yeah, Wade Wilson. Uh, No, Slade Wilson. Uh, (laughs) So it'll be interesting if this is set five years in the past before everything goes up, and we know Slade Wilson becomes, uh, what, Deathstroke? Mm -hmm. Um, Deathstroke. We know that Alex Fairchild, well, in the old 52, was uh, instrumental in getting the uh, the Gen 13 project off the ground, which transformed his daughter. Um, we know Steve Trevor and Dinah Lance, both uh, their their uh, involvement, and of course Amanda Waller um, in the new 52 is on. Well, was uh, leading Suicide Squad. Yeah, Waller's in charge of Suicide Squad. Yeah, so um, yeah, that could be an interesting title too, just with some of the character names that are in there. Um, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, Matthew and I both kind of said it's a good thing. What about you guys? You kind of seem snarky about it. Uh, no, I, the new titles and the zero issue. I, I really like the idea of what they're going for. Getting some more of the uh, the five years that we don't know about right, right, going right. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a cool idea. I'm actually more upset about the uh, cancellation. Like three of the four titles are Which, titles that I've been picking up. Oh, you were the guy. I know. Voodoo's yeah. been good. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Voodoo's been amazing. Uh, Captain Adam was the only one I'd actually started picking up all four titles at one point. Captain Adam's the only one that I'd actually dropped. The other three. I was really happy with that. They're some of my favorite titles each time they came out. And Welcome to my world, Rob. Join me and we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Well, here's the thing. You can pick <laughs> up those old issues 
once a month and reread them again, and it'll be just fresh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> how that works. You know, there is a previous run of both Resurrection Man and that other thing out mm-hmm. there that I could happily help you find yeah. at Gatekeeper Hobbies. Hunt, yeah. to engage to be. Somebody had commented the other day, it's like, what's the point of doing a retro review? And I was like, well, you know, retro v- reviews give you a look at what has come before, and, you know, it plays into the nostalgia factor for some. But if you're wanting to, quote-unquote, live in a specific time period of your favorite comic, back issues give you that opportunity to go and find the great Legion of Superheroes, uh, Archie Legion, if you've never read that. You can go back and find those in back issue bins. You can find them online through Comixology. Uh, This uh, past weekend, uh, I watched and reviewed Superman vs. the Elite, which is the uh, um, new animated movie from, from DC Comics. But... Because I was like, well, I've never read the Action Comics 775 that this is based on. Mm-hmm. I am familiar with Justice League, the Elite. Let me go and yep. see if I can track down 775. What's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way? Open up Good my book. comicsology. Boom, there it was, 99 cents. Read it, enjoyed it, saw where the parallels were. It, it was so easy to do. And so if you go to a comic book store like uh, Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies, Huntoon and Gage Topeka, somebody yep. like Matthew, or Matthew, if you get there on the right day, Yep. can walk you through the aisles of history and let you uh, be inundated with the uh, that mildewy smell of paper as uh, <laughs> reminisce Actually, about the, the mildewy smell is bad and lowers the grade. Here, here's my thing. And when you said, Phantom what's the point of a retro review, the, the ghost of a cobra just filled out from behind my head and my eyes flared bright red. But the simple answer is a vast majority of my comic book experience has been Digging up the stories that have come before. Finding out what's actually out there. So yes, I think the new 52 is going to be excellent. But all of the new 52 and everything that Marvel is doing, in, in, in some ways, is entirely based on uh, yeah, stolen from before. or you know, taken from what's coming before. So I think that you know, to, to forget history is to repeat it. He said, well, we're talking about a story with a zero month and Bob Harris as editor-in-chief. Well, he's been editor-in-chief for a while. I know. He was editor-in-chief in Marvel at one point. Look how well that went. If you have, uh, if you have a thought or an idea or would like to make a comment on this story, all you have to do is head over to Majorspoilers.com. There's a link in your show notes, and you can uh, share your thoughts and ideas on this story or many others. Lots of news over there. Lots of reviews over there. Lots of uh, interesting tidbits, like if you want a good get a good close-up of the new Superman uh, costume or Jor-El's yeah. costume from that the upcoming cool. Man of Steel. Uh, you can see it there on the Major Spoiler site. Uh, we dug around the internet and found it and shared it. I like that new costume. I like that uh, textured kind of uh, uh, carbon fiber uh, feel that those uh, costumes have. You can find that all over at Majorspoilers.com. And if you've ever wondered why Clifford the Big Red Dog has... Um, the black pupils <laughs> and, and the white eyeball. As pupils behind his balls. Yeah. And then you, you see all the, the other little children and all the other little animals with just a little black dot. Uh, Rodrigo has talked about it on the show before, but he's written an article called The Universe Expansion Dissonance Theory. You can find that over at Majorspoilers.com. Go and check it out. When we return, we'll get into some reviews. How to get a Major Spoilers shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, 
Sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Once again, I want to thank everyone who has been a contributor to the Major Spoilers cause. We really appreciate everyone who has given a donation. I don't think you really understand uh, how much these donations mean to us, how much they're needed just to keep the site running, to uh, keep our, our streaming account going, to take care of of technical issues that we're dealing with as we're trying to get these shows recorded to you each and every week. And we certainly appreciate those of you who are donating. And for those of you that have uh, canceled your recurring donations, we understand that too. Some people just say they need to reallocate their entertainment dollars. Some people just have budget issues. Some people don't have jobs at the moment. We totally understand that, but we hope that you would consider making that donation. And if you do um, some of the donations, uh, the amounts that uh, the people were giving that we gave a shout out at the top of the show, we really, really, really thank you for that kind of support. If you can't do a donation, Rodrigo, there's one other way that people can donate to the cause or help the cause. Mm -hmm. And it's something that they're probably doing every day, Rob. They're going over to Amazon.com and they're making purchases left and right. I don't know what people are buying, but uh, people (laughs) You don't want to know. (laughs) Well, people are buying things like the new Dragon Age movie or they're going out and buying video games or they're going out and uh, let's see if I can find out what uh, what Rob has uh, purchased this month. Inflatable oh, sheep and bacon-flavored uh, lubricant? What? I see that uh, Empowered Volume 7 is on the list of a book that someone has bought recently. Coincidentally, nice. we'll be talking about it later in the show. John Carter, Nip Tuck, Stargate SG-1, the complete series, all on that list. Ooh, wait, that one says Rodrigo's Christmas Present. Can't read that on the air. But if you go over to if you go to majorspoilers.com, you click on that amazon.com link and you make your purchase just like normal, same price, still gets to you in the same amount of time. Uh, it just helps us out because we get a little bit of money for sending you Amazon's way. All righty then. Let's talk about some comic books this week and get into some reviews. All right. I have a comic book. You do. I think I all do. of us. I think all of us have a comic book. Why don't we start off with uh, with Rodrigo though, Aww. and uh, a comic that a series that he's been following very closely here on the Major Spoilers podcast. It's not Alabaster Wolves. It's right. Alabaster Wolves colon number three. That's right. Well, it's not Alabaster's colon Wolves. No, um, but Alabaster Wolves number three from Dark Horse Comics. It's also not Hala Blaster Wolves, <laughs> like I thought it was at the beginning, <laughs> which, you know, would have made for an awesome uh, comic anyway. But yeah, uh, so Alabaster is the story of a young lady who travels the countryside fighting and killing monsters, and she's had a lot of problems recently. Uh, so this uh, this issue, in this issue, she... We get a lot of background, or some amount of background, about her and about what she's been doing. Uh, at the end of the last issue, she got uh, she got trapped in this in a burning church, and the ghost of a werewolf that she had killed drags her out. Uh oh. Um, so you know, raises a lot of questions. Why is the why is this ghost strong enough to? materialize and just move around and basically act like a you know corporeal being right um and uh she kind of forces her to tell her some stories about what she's been doing so this is a nice uh flashback episode um you know in this uh 
in this narrative there uh you know the, there's no forces of good and evil so much as there are monsters and then there is her and she hunts down the monsters mm-hmm. because um nobody's particularly nice nobody is uh out for anybody except for themselves and you get to see a lot more of that so it it really built a nice uh a, a little bit more of a background. You get to see more supernatural stuff, slightly different supernatural stuff than we've been seeing so far. Um, and the art looks really good. Um, I like the character designs and I like the uh, the layout of everything. Uh, I would give it three slices of meatloaf. I'm not... Uh, this wasn't a, a terribly active issue. Not, you know, the plot wasn't advanced, but we get a little bit more background. This so. is a limited series, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think okay. it's... Probably six or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something right. like that. And this one, I think, comes out in, like, two weeks. Cool. So you can't give away too many spoilers. Nope. That's why I try to keep it vague. All right. Thank you so much for that, Rodrigo. Swing it over to Rob. Hello, Rob. Hello. So I hear you like the Robert Kirkmans. Yes. Yes. And I hear you're particularly fond of his robot dinosaurs. Uh, or super, super, dinosaurs. super dinosaurs, although super robot dinosaur would be pretty cool. We'll talk about robot dinosaurs here in just a little bit. Yeah. I know, Super Dinosaur has been... It's basically my favorite read every week it comes out. Uh, it's just this ridiculous... It feels like this little kid type story told... Uh, just... Let me stop and think before I speak. Okay. Alright. Yeah, it, it's a, uh, a like, 10-year-old kid who has a best friend who's a uh, miniature T-Rex. I mean, it's a T-Rex, mm-hmm. so it's still huge, but right. it's a, a small-sized T-Rex that has a giant robotic harness with little controls that he controls with his tiny arms. So he has big arms and just a massive arsenal, and they're superheroes. <laughs> that's awesome. That That's what I said the first when, when Brian first made me read it. <laughs> uh, but uh, this issue... Uh, is when things actually start to get a little darker. Mm-hmm. Or things are actually starting to get darker. Uh, as one of the bad guys has captured Derek, the main kid, uh, and is taking him to the Earth's core and to use him to either enslave or kill the entirety of the human race. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound I- I'm good. I'm not in favor of enslaving or killing humanity. Well... Some of them. Some of them, yeah. <laughs> I'm not in favor, of, in favor of killing humanity. Anywho. Uh, yeah. It, everything looks good in the book. You've got a good character. Like, like Super Dinosaur acts like kind of like a little kid most of the time. You know, anything he sees, something new being blown up or right. you know, some big gun or big toy. He's just like, awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> uh, and then basically I'm sitting there right with him he's like oh my god that is awesome and with everything that he sees that says awesome but uh, then we also have Triceratops and some of the ridiculous Triceratops names. <laughs> are you not reading this series? I've, I every once in a while I'll see it around and I'll pick it up unfortunately in the uh, area where we live, it's not very easy to find. Yeah, if you're not there they, on the first day. Yeah, because they order two issues of it, and Rob picks up both of them. <laughs> so I, yeah, every once in a while. And I got one of the old free comic book day ones, and they go through and they uh, show you the the awesome 
dino monsters. Yeah, like, like there's Triceratops and Squidius and Dumetrodon, like the ridiculous pun-filled names. This is Robert are Kirkman. Hilarious. Huh? Yes, it's okay. Kirkman. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just curious because whenever I get to my review, you know, he's got that same kind of thing going on yeah. with some of the villains that we see this week. Yeah, but uh, and the majority of the issue is about Derek trying to outsmart the big bad guy and not quite being able to do it as the big as the exile mm-hmm. uh, shows more and more that he is virtually unbeatable. He takes over the Earth Core base. Earth Core is their big government agency that's supposed to protect and the, the big secret government agency that's there to protect everybody mm-hmm. and the exile just completely takes it over he has 100 percent control of everything in the building oh cool and so it's just this this downward spiral for how are they actually even going to have a chance at winning there's a mm-hmm. couple other interesting reveals that i don't want to give away too much But here it goes. Everybody dies. <laughs> Yay! Woo! We're on fire. Uh, and another bad guy tries to kill everybody, and some stuff happens there. And just I, I enjoy this book. I have fun with reading it. It looks good. It. Like I said, I'm with Super Dinosaur every time, saying it's awesome. Uh, this issue, four and a half slices of meatloaf. All right. Excellent. Nice. And that was out last week from uh, Image Comics, I yeah. believe, right? Okay, so uh, continuing on the Image Comics Robert Kirkman love as we uh, smash these two together. It's Invincible, number 92, brand new this week. Uh, not only does it have uh, the writing of Robert Kirkman, it also features the uh, tag team art of Ryan Otley and Corey Walker, who flip back and forth between the art duties, depending on what part of the story uh, is happening. Uh, I have not been reading uh, Invincible probably last six months or so just because I'm just too busy and if you've seen my stack of comics you know that it's a lot of stuff to get through like I said I haven't even been reading Batman uh, lately (sighs) but apparently um, Mark has uh, been exposed to some of that uh, to some of that uh, virus that uh, depowers the Viltrumites and so he's lost some of his power so he's kind of weak Uh, he's not really prepared to fight especially when the squid men attack the Pentagon and I'm assuming that the squid men are those squid creatures from Mars that we saw in past issues. I don't know for sure. But uh, the leader of the squid men is great. Uh, I'll just read you a little quote here. They am source of all Earth weapon and technology. We take control and have what they have. Then apparently we can arrive home. And then one of the squid men, one of the minions, uh, telepathically communicates with the leaders like, why do you insist on speaking to us with this, with these words when you don't know their language very well? And the leader's response is, practice! <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great issue. But obviously Mark is not invincible at this point, and he's going to need some help from other people. So um, uh, Cecil calls in uh, just about everybody who can, and um, um, Robot Man who seems to be handling everything right now, calls in the uh, Guardians of the Globe, who put a quick end to the Squidman's advance with a lot of the punchy-punchy and the fighty-fighty. Now, one of the things that we haven't really um, seen too much, uh, especially since um, uh, Mark's time in space uh, dealing with the Viltrumite War, is how did Monster Girl age so quickly? She used to be a little girl. And when Mark returned, there seemed to be a lot of anger and hostility between 
Robot Man, and Monster Girl. And we really didn't know why. This issue spells it out exactly why these two are on the outs with one another. Um, periodically throughout the Invincible series, uh, those little insect guys pop through a dimension door and fight, and then they pop back out. Well, in one of the encounters, Robot Man and Monster Girl pop through the portal and wound up on the insect's uh, planet. And as we've seen before in this insect world, time doesn't play out the exact same way as it does back on Earth. So while the two are only gone for a few moments in Earth time, by the end of the issue you realize just how freaking long these two were alive in this other planet, dimension, whatever it is. And it's a staggering amount of time. And we still don't know the full story, but we see, and this is where the uh, Cory Walker art kicks in, we get to see uh, how they dealt with that situation being held captive in that other other dimension. We also get to see some uh, updated story bits with, um, uh, what's his name, Bulletproof? Yes. Uh, and his story. And again, I have not been around since Bulletproof was introduced, so I don't know uh, everything that's going on with him, but apparently he may or may not have a twin brother that his parents may or may not know about. Um, it's an interesting story. It's really, there's a lot of back and forth with this story, which I think is fascinating. I think the, uh, the back, uh, the flashback moments with, um, uh, again, Walker's art is, um, is exceptional. I really, really like that. But, you know, I am still a big fan of Ryan Otley's. I just love his work. And especially when it gets into the bloody punching bits, um, things get really bloody and disturbing. Uh, um, and some of that happens here. Invincible is still one of those series that really holds up. I wish I had read the previous issue so I knew what I was caught up on. Still, if you know kind of the big base story, we've talked about Invincible a number of times before on the Major Spoilers podcast, reviewing some of the big trades, some of the Omnibuy, and of course the individual issues. If you know that back matter, you can walk into this story and pretty much know what's going on, I think. Um, and uh, for that reason, you know, I, I like this enough. I'm going to give it uh, four slices of meatloaf out of five. Invincible number 92 out this week. Pick it up at your comic book store or digitally from your favorite digital vendor who's not sponsoring us this week. Matthew. Hi there. My name's Matthew, and I don't understand this Internet thing because it's apparently 1994. It because is? Bob Harris is editor-in-chief, and it's zero month, and I'm reviewing Harbinger number one <laughs> from, from Valiant. Valiant Comics. <laughs> now, I remember the first time Harbinger number one from Valiant Comics came out, and it was the story of a young telepathic boy named mm -hmm. Peter Stanchek right. who was on the run from the evil Harbinger Foundation. Mm. Pete Stanchek was kind of a misunderstood goof. They all are. Yeah, it's true. He was basically good-natured. He was kind of... He was kind of uh, Fred Jones. They he was are. your standard cartoon protagonist who uh, agglomerated people to come with him, you know, as, as happens in these stories. Harbinger number one, volume, well, actually, I don't know if this is volume two or volume three. three. The new Harbinger volume was Volson. Number one features a young telepathic boy named Pete Stanchek. The cover is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it is good. The cover is amazing because the cover is Pete walking through a crowd and he's surrounded by the telepathic word balloons of thousands of people around him. It's, I mean, that right there, that sold me. That is an amazing image. Um, if you're familiar with the other book, Toyo Harada 
who was the evil head of the Harbinger Foundation, is still in this universe. Mm-hmm. Toyo Harada still has superpowers. Pete Stanchak is kind of a putz. Uh, in this issue, we find him stealing drugs from a pharmacist because it's the only thing that drowns out the voices in his head. And, of course, he goes back, and as always, Pete Stanchek has hangers on. But in this case, his hanger-on isn't a kid with superpowers or a hot chick. It's actually another boy from the institution where he lived. And his friend also has voices in his head, but he's not telepathic. <laughs> so uh, Pete is on the run with what, what seems to be a very, very disturbed young man. And, of course, he ends up going back home, which is a foolish mistake. We find him using his powers in extremely inappropriate ways. If you were a 16-year-old boy confronted with a girl that you've had a crush on for eight years, she hates your guts, and you have the ability to control people's minds. Why, that sounds like a naughty uh, series Mm. of fiction stories that I read on the Internet back in 1992. Indeed, it's not it's it's not pretty. Pete Stanchek, who in the old days was known as Sting, who had neither face paint nor uh, Stuart Copeland on base, um, is a jerk in this issue. And what's fascinating to me is Toyo Harada, who's always been portrayed as a jerk, is actually very cool in this issue. Cool. So I don't know if they're if they're intentionally turning it on its head, if they're giving us something that's going to throw the whole thing into you know duress or kill us all. But at the end of the issue, uh, Pete's friend has been tricked by the police. Bad things are about to happen. It's a fascinating read. It really is, especially if you you know if you remember the old school Harbinger title. I barely you know remember how to, it to be honest. I don't think I read it. It was pretty awesome, and I remember picking up the issue, I think it was issue four or five of the original Harbinger series, and just totally being hooked, because it was, you know, at the time, it was 1990, I want to say four, honestly, uh, 93, 94. Yeah, I was, 90, you know, 92 I, is when it started and ran from uh, 92 through, I want to say 95, yeah. It ran a while. 41 I issues. I was about 23. So it you know it was something where it's like this kid is on a on an existential journey he's a young adult trying to find his way. Now 20 years later I'm looking at this and he's one of those rotten kids. <laughs> those rotten kids who are going to get us all killed. But it's intentional and I really like the issue. The art is troubling. It's troubling in an interesting way. Um the facial expressions tend to be kind of the the word that comes to mind is squashy. And I think it's definitely intentional. I think we're supposed to be a little disturbed and, and put off by the characters. Overall, it's a really strong outing. It's three and a half slices of meatloaf for the first issue. There are some issues here, and it's a very unlikable protagonist. But it's a likable story around that protagonist. And the way that they deal with his telepathy is pretty awesome. Cool. And I really like the fact that you can sit for ten minutes and just read the front cover and see all the things going on in other people's heads. I mean, the writer really does understand the in, the internal reality because, you know, we're all bastards. So this would be like the second volume of the Harbinger story. Is this a continuation of oh the first 41, or is this a reboot? Is Valiant just this rebooting is, all this stuff? This is a reimagining. Okay. Um, I don't know that I'd even call it a reboot because other than telepathic boy named Pete and a guy named Harada with other telepathic powers... Mm-hmm. They haven't really given us a whole lot of indication. I think that what this is is uh, basically Battlestar Galactica and now Starbuck is a hot chick. 
And I hope it's that successful. I hope it's that deep and that layered. Excellent. All right, that's Valiant. Is this the first new Valiant title that you've read? I mean, Valiant's come back. No, I read uh, Exo Man of War. Oh, just a couple of weeks from ago. From the new Valiant. Yeah. Okay. I did a review for. Oh, Baby that's spoilers. right. That's right. Check it out. It's a good site. Yeah. And uh, I'm really looking forward to um, the Archer and Armstrong revamp. I, I can take or leave Bloodshot, but the Archer and Armstrong was one that I really had uh, a great appreciation of back in the day. Excelente. All right. That uh, wraps it up for our reviews. We don't have a an, uh, another staff review this week, mainly because I'm disorganized and trying to get everything <laughs> up and running before we run off to Nerdtacular next week. Disoriented, data-oriented. Disoriented, data-oriented, Tuesday. Data-oriented. Tuesday. But if you want to read more reviews, including uh, Matthew's most recent review up on the site uh, today or yesterday or whenever you yes, looked at it, today. Uncanny X-Men number 13. Is that's this the uh, revelation of how Cyclops got his thong back? That's Rob. That, that's a Rob oh, that's a Rob story? Oh, okay. <laughs> is it, is it's got revealed? my balloon on it, but it's Rob's. It's Rob, and he did good work with it. All right. You can Trust read that feelings, and many Rob. of the reviews you know over at Majorspoilers.com. And now that the reviews are over, we can it's get time. to the very... See, Rob, what did I tell you? This guy, every week. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> Time for what, Matthew? It's time. <laughs> for the major spoilers. You know, I actually, I was on Twitter last night and doing a, a thing of uh, Ask Mighty King Cobra, and somebody asked what my favorite moment from the podcast was. And I, I really remember for about six and a half weeks, we could not, the three of us could not get through the open of the poll of the week without somebody breaking down like an idiot. And it was usually me. Although one notable week, I got through it, you were silent, and Rodrigo started giggling, hmm. which I thought was kind of hysterical. It's time for the major spoilers. Poll of the week, 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 This week, I went to the Twitter, and I asked our Spoilerite Nation, who follows us on Twitter, follows us at Spoilers dot or just at major spoilers. Uh, if you want to follow Matthew, you can follow him at at Mighty King Cobra. If you want to follow Rodrigo, it's uh, at Fearsome Critter. And if you have a car question, if you do the hashtag, what is it, Rodrigo? Critter knows Critter cars. cars. Critter knows cars. You will get a uh, an answer that makes sense from Rodrigo's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to follow Rob, it's Bore Mortal. Uh, over uh, at Twitter. But this week I went to the Twitter and I asked our Twitter followers to recommend the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. And uh, it took a while to find one that uh, I thought would really speak to the Spoilerite Nation, especially this time of the year, especially with the announcement that they're making a Megazord toy and that the Mighty Morphin yeah. Power Rangers are coming to DVD. And I could only yeah. think of one thing... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Megazord versus the Voltron Forces Voltron or Lion, whatever it is. Go, Rob. Who wins in this fight? I went with Get Reaction, went with Power Rangers. Why? Because that's what my gut said would win. Trust your feelings. <laughs> Robert! Ten seconds <laughs> later, <laughs> ten seconds <laughs> later, his stomach Yo. also demanded a sandwich yeah, and a pint, I was pint of whiskey, say. so... Uh, no, uh, I was gonna say it's like, well, God, what do you think? Is it going to be uh, Power Rangers or Voltron? Lasagna. <laughs> Power Ranger, and I want a cheese sandwich raw. No other reason yeah, than the gut says Power Rangers. Yeah, no, I think the Power Rangers have more arsenal. 
Like, the, <laughs> like the Voltron is just you the, said the f- arse. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> really? <laughs> that was for our British listeners. <laughs> People Fanny like pack. it when you're multicultural. <laughs> oh. Okay. You know they, they've got more going on. I mean, the the Voltron Force is just the five lions, right? And they combine to form the Voltron. You've got the uh, the Power Rangers of the five Zords, and then we've got the Dragon Zord, and then they've got the Titanus. I think it was Titanus, the Zord, the the big turtle thing that they put the Megazord in the back of, and it's all protected. Yep. <laughs> the Ultra <laughs> Super. This show was on when it was appropriate for me to be watching it. Oh, I see. Oh, you don't want to go there, young lad, because <laughs> all I know... Because they don't make Matthew really sad. All I know is that when Mighty Morphin Power Rangers with the uh, the very hot Amy Jo Johnson was on television, it was on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was usually working my job at the uh, at the TV station at the university, and I'd go up into the control room to do something, and Matthew would be sitting up there with Bruce Otter, uh, who does our spoiled comic, and they'd be watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and I was like, well, I don't got time to watch this silliness. I've got videos to edit. And, and then you'd go, ooh, Amy Jones. And then I'd Johnson, say, ooh, who's that pink girl? Episode. Ooh, she's pretty. And we'd be like, forget her. Look at the Yellow Ranger. <laughs> 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 That's what I was thinking. Yeah, Rodrigo, what about you? Very attractive. Uh, well, I thought about this a lot. I think next week it'll be Yellow Ranger versus Pink Ranger. Mm-hmm. Who's hotter? I thought about this a lot in the past three seconds or so when I realized <laughs> we were doing this. <laughs> um, and I think the way to approach this is how do these fights, the fight that these giant um, aggregate robots are involved in how do they usually go down. And the way they go down is usually one of these robots uh, materializes a sword out of nowhere and slashes something in half, which then explodes. So it stands to reason that the victor of this fight would be whoever's uh, giant sword animation is shortest. Ah. And I think that's probably Voltron's. (laughs) You jerk. You know, um, giant robot fights always pause for the animation. Do they? <laughs> well, maybe that's it's why. one of the laws of the cartoon universe. Right after all owls must wear graduation. Caps. So we've got uh, one one Power Ranger, one Voltron. You know, I I originally thought you know um, Voltron. Here you've got a bunch of high school kids in spandex mm-hmm. controlling a robot that some big giant head tells them to control. Right. Right. <laughs> yes, and then you have uh, the Voltron Force, military trained teenagers. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you. <laughs> there, I don't know. I mean, really, in, in the actual Voltron Force, there's really only two of them that have that would have military training. Well, wouldn't it? military training versus dodgeball. I, I guess. <laughs> right. So originally, I was like, well, you know, Voltron. Plus, they're all lions, and they've got that really cool sword. And the hand is the lion head, so when it reaches out, you know, lion charge. Uh, but then I thought, uh, you know, nothing beats the bad guys like the saccharine uh, pureness of high school kids and their go get them attitude when they're fighting uh, putties and uh, giant uh, 
eyeball monsters in rubber suits, mm-hmm. right? That, like that's the, the one episode monster. you've seen. Yeah, <laughs> that is the one episode. The one where I've they're seen. fighting the putties and the eye guy. Yes, exactly. So you know, I went in and voted uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Megazord. Nice. Only because of the uh, of the teenage uh, enthusiasm, beating the hardcore military teenagers <laughs> of the future. They were not hardcore <laughs> ever. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I wonder, you know what, Dynamite Entertainment really needs to see if they can somehow snag the Power Rangers um, property for the comics because I was totally unimpressed with uh, Dynamite's Voltron series. Mm. I don't know if you guys have read it. Have you read it, Matthew? Meh. Yeah, I, that first issue, I was just like, I don't know what the F is going on, but... Uh, yeah, I think it comes off of, of the Defender me. of the Universe uh, continuity. Yeah, it comes yeah. off somewhere, but it doesn't go anywhere. Um, so, so it'd be interesting to see what they could do with the Power Rangers. Of course, there have been, you know, 376 Red Rangers in, in the existence. And, and I understand that every different uh, season of Power Rangers is a different incarnation. My son's watching the, the uh, what is it, Jungle Force, where they've got the Elephant Shield. And jungle the, Fury. Jungle yeah. Fury. He's watching that now on Netflix. Fever. Yeah, he's got the Jungle <laughs> Fever. Yeah, that's a different show. <laughs> that's a different I watch thing. that too, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure he would say uh, Power Rangers uh, certainly beat a Voltron robot. But Matthew, the world w- is waiting anxiously to see which side you're going to uh, to vote. Well, you may want to grab a sandwich. Oftentimes, when it comes to this point in the podcast, I will Rawr, be like, sandwich! <laughs> Rob's gut demands it. <laughs> and somebody actually said, well, I go with the original Voltron. But you have to understand that the Voltron cartoon was actually adapted from I, I don't cartoon, care about any of that. Which was adapted from we saw it other thing. on American television, or maybe in translated Spanish television. I, I, I can tell you guys the story about Voltron after this if you want. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't care about what happened in oh, the original series. I and care about what why. happened on the series that I saw. Mr. I Only Believe in America, can you tell me what the first <laughs> cartoon series to feature a giant robot was, Stephen Francis I, I can't tell you. It was probably uh, it was Astro Boy. That had a giant robot in it. Gigantor. Gigantor. There you go. Gigantor. The giant converting mecha started in the Japanese Spider-Man TV show from 1970-something. What about Gigantor? He's a giant robot. Gigantor was a different kind of giant robot. <laughs> this is a giant converting mecha. Now, stay with me on this. I just want to know that, which one you think is going to win in a fight. I don't need the that, history of, of giant robots. and Just let him finish. <laughs> or he will never finish. But yeah, I won't. I'll keep going, Stephen, because okay. I will butt heads with you until the day we both oh, die. God. <laughs> in an explosion of, of cholesterol and bad hair. <laughs> <laughs> Never, and this is the thing, Spider-Man had the first mecha. But I, I for two reasons, I actually chose the Megazord. What? Reason one. Really? Yeah. I did not see that coming. Shut up. <laughs> Reason one. <laughs> because the Megazord was wicked awesome, and Voltron had that guy called Pidge, who was just a total ripoff of Keop yep. from uh, the other yep. thing. From the Battle of the Planet. The Voltron, the American Voltron gotcha, cartoon was written without any idea of what was going on. They're right. like, we've got some footage. What are we going to do? I don't speak Japanese. Okay, let's make up some dialogue. Woo! 
But uh, the Megazord would win simply because of the the proud tradition of giant robots. And I believe that the the absolute least of the Megazords, the the giant Zords from the Power Rangers 35, 36-year history, the least of them could defeat Voltron with one lion tied behind their back. Plus dinosaurs, man. T-Rex fights a dinosaur. Who wins? Well, you know, if you go through the uh, through the comments section of the major spoilers poll of the week for this week, you see people uh, saying Arthur saying the Megazord uh, has uh, would win. Um, Dante Mark says Voltron is a robot made out of lions, robot lions. Lions are the king of the beast. Voltron is made out of kings, which clearly makes him the better giant robot. <laughs> His logic is flawless. <laughs> it is. It is Maximus Rift says Voltron wins. Ryan uh, says in the end, though, it is a draw. George W. doesn't have anything interesting. Uh, Zaxel Brack <laughs> says it depends which is the bad guy in the fight. Uh, mm-hmm. Bad Bad R. Piggy says Megazord would win. Um, Rico says I vote Matthew, but Matthew's not a giant mecha the last time I checked. Not yet. Yeah, Rita Repulsa has to make him grow. (laughs) (laughs) And then we would know who the bad guy was. Never mind. All right, so uh, how did, Matthew, how did the Major Spoilers Nation vote (laughs) on this? And at one point it was 50-50. It was dead solid right 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 before it broke 100. It was right at uh, 50-50 plus or minus a percentage. I actually expected um, uh, it to be less of a balance than it is. Right now, I'm looking at, excuse me, a broken mouse, which doesn't allow me to zoom down to see 248 votes, 63% choosing Voltron, 37% choosing the Megazord. And I think... A lot of the comments are saying, I choose the original, which is Voltron, which is fine. Also, I want you to know that I love every spoiler right, and everyone's opinion is, is wonderful, and you are all beautiful little snowflakes. But from now on, any post that says, nope, X wins hands down, will not be approved. Mm. you got to ex- show your work, explain. Don't tell me hands down. I don't want to hear that crap. This isn't Vince McMahon. You don't decide that CM Punk goes over Brock Lesnar. We want to hear you tell us. Yeah, and actually, the best way you can do this is the poll of the week gets posted eh, pretty early in the day, usually before noon. There's plenty of time for you to call the Major Spoilers hotline. Leave a comment. Tell us who would win in the fight. It's great to hear them a week later, but, man, to have them for the actual show, that's the best. Especially when we're talking about the trade of the week or someone's calling in about a movie or topic that we're we're talking about. I love to add those into the uh, current show, but, you know, a week later is fine, but... In this case, poll of the week, just call that uh, hotline number and talk to us. Show your work and let us hear it there. Or you can use the comment section. There's a link in your show notes. Go check it out. When we come back, we are going to be looking at the often sexy, often silly, often wrapped in plastic, Empowered Volume 7. (laughs) Stick around. Greetings, major spoilers. My eternal love and thanks for your continuing excellence in the field of podcasting. You guys are my bastion of nerdery for when I have none. I could easily gush for a good 15 minutes, but I wanted to get to the reason I'm calling on this most auspicious of weekends for UC. It is the 34th annual Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois. And yes, there really is such a place. It's part convention, part street fair. They got celebrity guests, dealer rooms, panels, guest creators, food on sticks, strongman competitions, 
amateur pro wrestling, a 15-foot-tall bronze statue of Superman. And this year they're doing a reenactment of the episode of I Love Lucy that had George Reed's guest star as Superman. And there's the Superman Museum, which I believe has the largest collection of Superman memorabilia on the planet. Not sure you'd have to check on that. But they do have Christopher Reeves' flight harness. I've seen it. This year, their guest readers are George Perez and Terry Beatty, and the celebrity guests are John Glover and Cassidy Freeman from Smallville. And in the past, they've had such notables as Brandon Routh, Michael Rosenbaum, and Noel Needle, who played Lois Lane on the old Superman TV show. She was a regular here for a long time. It's about a 12-hour drive for me from my home in St. Paul, Minnesota, but the spectacle is well worth it. It's a great event for the whole family and nerds of all shapes and sizes. Uh, Steven, you would not be the only person here with children named for comic book characters. It's that hardcore. If you ever do make it down, you can find me drawing characters in front of the Superman Museum. Come say hi, and I will hook up anyone in the Major Spoilers crew with a free drawing. It is the least I can do for the hours of great entertainment you've given me. If you'd like to see some of my work, give me a Google. My name is Nathan Luth. That's N-A-T-H-A-N-L-U-E-T-H. You can also check out In Pure Blood, my epic steampunk fantasy webcomic, at www.inpurebloodwebcomic.com. Keep up the great work, gentlemen. I hope, my, I hope to up my monthly donations here in the near future, and I'm looking forward to many, many years of your continuing hijinks. Best regards. Take it easy. Hello, Mega Spoilers crew. This is Andreas calling from the far side of the world. Let's give you a little heads up on the talk back for Prometheus. Just went and saw the premiere this week, and I really, really liked it. I mean, it's not Aliens 1, it's not Return of the Dark Knight, it's not, it's not even Avatar, but it's a good movie. I mean, over here, there's been a lot of criticism about it, but I think people have set their expectations too high. It's an alien movie, it has some nice, scary moments, and yeah, altogether, fine movie, five out of, sorry, four out of five slices. Uh, and so next time, I'm going to read my Invincible Ultimate Collection hardcover that I, of course, brought to the major spoiler link to the Amazon comic site. See you then. Greetings and salutations, major spoilers. Cat Halo from the forums, back again with a couple of thoughts on a couple of movies. Uh, first up, Red Tails. This finally got a release in Ireland, and as you probably already know, movie not really that good. The tale is that of the Tuskegee Airmen, and it should be a gripping and inspirational one, just not in this telling. The tone is set firmly to adventure, so it kind of glosses over the more important racial issues, which really should be the point of the entire movie. The aerial scenes are awesome, however, and not even the occasionally daft dialogue can take from these thrilling visuals. So it's not a bad movie, but it's certainly not a great one. Took George Lucas over 20 years to get it made, and ultimately probably not worth the hassle. Second movie for today, Men in Black 3. This is another movie that seems to have taken forever to make and didn't really live up to the weight. Will Smith is charming as ever, and Brolin does do a very good Tommy Lee Jones, but the story feels kind of rushed. The special effects are pretty impressive, and it is sporadically quite funny. So, not as good as Men in Black 1, certainly better than MIB 2. It's kind of forgettable fun, you know? And that's me done. Thanks again for your time. As always, you can find me all over the entire webs. Cat Halo Movies on the Facey Space. You can like it if you like. 
at Cataolo Movies on the Twitter book. And as I say at the beginning of each bit, I'm also on the Major Spoilers Forum as well. Thanks again and have a great week, guys. Thank you, everyone, for calling in. Thank you for the uh, movie review of Men in Black. Have you guys seen that? Have either of you seen that? Anyone? Men nope. in Black 3, yeah. Yeah? What about Prometheus? Did you guys see that? I haven't seen Prometheus yet. Did you see that, Rodrigo? I haven't, no. What about you, Matthew? seen any of those? Uh, I saw the trailers for Prometheus. They oh, go, twang, twang, twang. You know what I hate in modern modern trailers is how they keep fading to black really fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just like, blah. Yeah. What I hate is the fact that they have to use auditory cues to scare me because they'll do a jump cut and the well, jump cut will go bang you know but that, that's you know even in the alien movie and aliens they used sound to scare you because in a, if you listen to a good surround mix of that especially in aliens you hear the aliens skittering around you in a surround sound theater so at one point it sounds like they're right behind you and you're like and then they come crawling over the top or jumping out they're all around us man we're gonna die we're gonna die game over man game over (laughs) man it's a bug hunt game over man Uh, in regards to the Superman festival in Metropolis Illinois I have been to Metropolis Illinois have you guys been there I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, you go downtown and it's all these 1970s renditions of Superman. Of course, this was oh over 10 years ago that I that I passed through mm-hmm. on my way. Down. <laughs> was it actually in the 1970s? <laughs> it might have been. Uh, you know, they've got this big giant uh, Superman standing out there in in the town square, and then mm-hmm. they've got some old you know like Superman, you know stuff you would expect to see from the 70s and 80s, Silver Age Superman adorning the the walls of some of the buildings downtown. It's, it's pretty cool, and I know a lot of people have gone to that festival in Metropolis, Illinois, and if you're ever driving through, and I think, I forget what the highway is, maybe it's I-70, it's like literally just 20 minutes off the highway, off the interstate, that you can easily just uh, go down and get your picture taken and, and do those kinds of things. So, I have to remember that the next time I head to Chicago. I think, I'm, pretty sh- I'm pretty sure it's I-70. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely, if you see the sign for Metropolis, Illinois, go check it out. It's not a big town, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And let's see. Let's talk about oh, um, let's talk about how you're hearing this show really quick. Tweakedaudio.com. We know a lot of you are checking out these headphones. Uh, if you want to get one third off of these headphones, all you have to do is use the code Major when you check out at tweakedaudio.com. Get some great headphones at one third the cost. Uh, four different styles, six different colors. You can get one uh, if you've got a, uh, a phone and you want to have a microphone. There's an optional microphone that you can get uh, thrown in. Uh, they're engineered for durability. We've got a couple of pair here at Major Spoilers HQ. Really nice uh, uh, headsets. Go check them out. TweakedAudio.com. Empowered. Wow. Wow what? Empowered? This volume. Wow. <laughs> This one finally got a little bit deeper into a story than maybe what we've yeah. seen before. You know, the first, what do we review? The first two volumes? Or just so. the first like volume? I uh, thought we did volume six by itself, too. No, I don't think we did. I, I, well, maybe, maybe I we did, did as we jumped forward, but I know that we were uh, reviewed the first couple of volumes. And you know, it's good cheesecakey art um, yeah. with some sexual innuendo thrown in. Um, yeah. This one goes a little bit further, I thought. Um, yeah, in, this in is a, an example of what uh, the uh, what TV tropes calls Cereva syndrome, mm-hmm. where it starts out kind of funny animals with swords, haha, woohoo, and it turns into this weird, deep, multi-perspective character universe full of all sorts of weird stuff, and 
you know, depth and depth where you never expected to see depth of character. Yeah, there really was. I mean, this uh, volume seems to be focusing on uh, Ninja Girl. Ninjette. Ninjette. Uh, and uh, this group of uh, assassins who want to take her out for uh, whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get to see a lot of that. We get to see a lot of the, um, what's the belt's name? I forget, terrible the Cage Demon Wolf. Cage the Demon Cage Wolf. Demon Wolf. He actually has the scene, uh, it has the scene of the volume for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just a, uh, the, the best sequence ever. And it's a ways down the line, so I don't know if we want to open Well, it, Matthew, but... want, walk, walk us through uh, the stories as we, as we get through here. Because there's a lot of jumping the, back and forth there in is. time. And... Actually, the Cage Demon Wolf is our, uh, in the first chapter, is our perspective character. Mm-hmm. Um, because we see bits and pieces and things happening all over the place. And chunks of what we're going to read in the story. It's very confusing on the first right. read through. It, it really that was, first chapter. yeah. And we get to the point where, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on, and then you realize that this is from the point of view of the caged demon wolf. And he was like, do you believe that I see time? The caged demon wolf does not see time. Time and space and dimension are all the same to me. (laughs) But as we get into the story, basically what it breaks down to is Ninjet's past as the princess of a ninja cult is coming back to haunt her as Mm -hmm. the enemy ninjas have finally tracked her down. Right. And I believe this ha- part of that happened, or at least started to happen, last volume, yeah, volume, volume six. six. Mm-hmm. But this issue basically opens in mid-story with the evil ninjas having captured Ninjet. Right. And then it starts to bounce around all over the place. It really does. And um, that, that kind of, I don't know, kind of threw me and kind of disappointed me a little bit. As I read it is, through it, as, as how jumpy the story was and how at times it can be really hard to follow. Um, and, uh, you know, this, and again, it's been a while. I mean, I've been still buying the volumes as they come out because I like, uh, mm-hmm. Warren's art, uh, in this, uh, series. Um, but it seems like less, there's less focus on the, hee hee, my clothes fell off, uh, and the, the sexual innuendo to, uh, let's get into some real storytelling and let's get into right. some, in this, especially in this volume, a lot more, uh, violence, um, and a lot more, yeah. um, a lot more character development than maybe there was, what we've yeah. seen before. Less sexual innuendo in this volume than there was in previous volumes. Oh yeah, oh, there yeah, was. Yeah. Previous oh, volumes much, were all, much almost much. all. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's never like, gonna get into this series. It, it's like, oh hee hee, my clothes, you know, my my but super suit exploded one, again. Yeah, volume one was was basically a collection Just a big of joke. I mean, not well, a joke. Well, it, it was a it was a collection thing, of of images that he was he did. I think some of them started as commission. Website. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where Basi- people would write in and say, "Draw a hot super chick all tied up and taped down," and mm-hmm. he actually turned that into a running character, mm-hmm. which then turned into a the story. But mm-hmm. the the one thing that I found immediately off putting, and I think part of it is the fact that one of the characters in the book is her her character her her verbal tick is the f bomb. Right. He blacks out yeah, all the bad um, obscenities, yeah. and it gets to the point where if you read through it, you can't go a page without seeing an S-bomb or an F-bomb right. blacked out. Right. And it really brings attention to the sheer amount of F-bombing going on in the book, which I, is frustrating to I, me. I really should have gotten, tried to get um, Warren on the show, Adam Warren, um, 
I just, again, too busy at the moment. Um, because I'd like to talk to him about, about some of that. Because on the one hand, if you've seen some of his work that he had up on his website, um, yeah, it gets pretty pretty graphic at, at times and, and pretty risque, as we've talked about before. But I'm wondering how much of that is toned down for the comic. You know, how much they have to black out the F-bombs in order for... Uh, the publisher, Dark Horse, in this case, to say, yeah, we'll go ahead and do that, but we still have to wrap it in plastic in order to uh, to sell it. You know, that would be the interesting <laughs> thing to look at. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I, it, it, I think that the, the, you know, the Cerebus Syndrome that I talked about is the thing that makes the book difficult to approach, but it's also what makes actually getting through it because um, I've actually read through this twice now. Yeah, it it actually makes it a more rewarding experience at the end, and it is difficult. And I can't, you know, I can't blame anybody for being thrown by the time dilation, or the flipping back and forth, or the fact that you know there is a lot of just basically flat out fan service. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where uh, where uh, there's like a five page discussion where Ninjet and Empowered switch costumes mm-hmm. just to show how good Empowered's butt looks in New Jet yeah, yeah. Ninjet's shorty shorts. Right. Which then transitions into the caged demon wolf singing Baby Got Back in Demon Wolf uh, speak, which mm-hmm. quite <laughs> frankly is the second most amazing moment in the issue. And again, the caged demon wolf, my favorite character, prevaricate he surely cannot. You other figurative male siblings are other incapable of form of denial, you deltish dullards. But when you, when you really get into it, what it breaks down to is the story is trying and the writer is trying really hard to translate the danger that Ninjet is in. Mm -hmm. She's trying to play it off, and she doesn't want people to worry about her. But it's clear as you get into, you know, the the third and fourth act of this, that Ninjet's life is really in danger. Right. And the one ally she has is an ally who's only helping her because she absolutely has to. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know, at one point, we see a little dis- discussion where uh, Yukio or Okio-chan is like, three, and you don't know what this means until they get into battle. And finally, they're in the middle of this battle, and Ninjet is about to be overwhelmed, and the other girl is like, I promised that I would kill three of these people for you. I'm out. And she sits down to watch Ninjet basically get murdered by three other ninjas. Yeah. And then the dead silence kicked in. It was <laughs> well, uh, Rob, this is—is is this your first? Uh, sounds like your first uh, exposure to Empowered. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, of the overall experience? We kind of threw you in the deep end and said, "Swim!" <laughs> yeah. Oh here, my God! Yeah. Here's, here's, here's lasagna. Yeah. Read nine hundred pages of Wapsie Square. Go. <laughs> oh. Now I was so lost. What was going on? I have to like. And apparently that was because we were going from the point of view of the character who doesn't actually follow normal time, mm, which Rob has time travel problems. I already have time travel problems. Yeah, no. Yes. Basically, Randus is telling the story. Yeah, that's <laughs> even worse. Uh, I didn't like all the the overwhelming amounts of sexual innuendo. It, which I was kind of surprised that I that that, just, just is that something that bothers too, you? It doesn't or? bother me normally. I think it was just. There was just too much of it. Mm. There's a lot of it here. It's, it's every single panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got something. Is like, okay, I've seen this a hundred times already, and I'm on page 
three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me something else. Uh, I I didn't like the the, the black boxes. Mm-hmm. Phase me. It's like okay, every single person is cussing every third word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fine. I know one person who speaks like that. Not every single or not a ton of people who speak like that. It did. Yeah. It just seemed like there was too much of the uh, the adult oriented stuff being thrown at me at mm. once, mm-hmm. and then I yeah. couldn't follow the story because it was making these weird jumps in time, and yeah. then you'd occasionally have this like page or two that didn't actually happen because it was just right. what the character wanted right. to do. Right, right, right. And right. counterfactual scenario, which made me you know I always read those the first time it happened. I'm like, is that the cage demon wolf seeing a different? reality or an alternate version of things and the first time it happened it was very off-putting and about the third or fourth time i'm like i kind of like this as a riff but i don't know how many more times it will fly i think i think that i mean there's a lot of good ideas in empowered in general and in this volume i think the 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 counterfactual scenarios are good because they always catch you by surprise. They always come at a moment when you're not expecting them, <laughs> right, at least right. for me. And then the characters just go off and you're like, oh, where is this going? And then it didn't happen, which mm-hmm. can be, you know, to some people frustrating or, or seen in, in a certain light frustrating. But also, it's it's a great way for the, uh, for the writer to psych you out, mm-hmm. to be like, yeah. well, this is what this character's thinking without... Um, resorting to uh like thought balloons or or boxes or 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 thought boxes or whatever of course you know two pages later you turn around and you basically have a character going through a soliloquy um you know at least once per volume right where they just the the action just stops and the the character turns around and tells you exactly what they're thinking about something like our town Mm -hmm. i and one of the the uh, I think something that's really happening more and more are overarching I guess is the word I'm looking for. Uh, chapter six of Empowered got really dark and really violent, mm-hmm. and really overtly merging the sexual nature of things with the violent nature right. of things to make a real dark and edgy. And that continues here. And there's some really there are parts of it that didn't quite throw me out of it, but I kind of. I have that moment often in my life where I go, wow, if this is, is, is troubling me, I feel like the general audience has probably put this book down. Well, I, you know, we've talked about sex in comics before, and I think we actually did it shortly after the, the last time we reviewed uh, Empowered. Empowered, I think you're yeah, right. You know, there are some um, thoughts on... Um, and it's not just mine, but the, I mean, there are thoughts on how uh, sex develops and interest in sex, the more you're exposed to it, some of the paths that it can lead you down, some of them always not so good. Um, mm. And often they kind of lead into some kind of deviation at, at some point, whether that be a kink or a perversion, or in this case, um, you know, and I can't speak for Warren here, but um, perhaps even how violence and sex are now intertwined where mm-hmm. you almost can't, you know, you can't get off without having these violent tendencies uh, in there. Um, you know, and that just depends on how you're interpreting that story. But if you look at the, if you look at volume one and compare it to volume seven, you kind of get that 
that little that bit of very thought. dissonance. Yeah, 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 very much so. So I, I mean, you know, it, it depends. Which on... Which is fine because you know you'd want seven volumes in right. for things to be different. Right, somehow. right, 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 right. Yeah, they're definitely throwing some some wrenches in the works, and there are some great dramatic moments in this book. That yeah, there are. I, I, I was there kind of that. My favorite moment, and I touched on it earlier, is there's a point where, and the time is is a little weird, but. We we end up with Ninjet flashing back, and it turns out she's actually telling this story to the cage demon wolf mm-hmm. about the horrible, horrible reason why she left her ninja clan. And it is it is really disturbing. It is horrifying and disturbing. And she's like, you know, I, I've never told anybody that story before. And she's, you know, really, really kind of just flippant about it, a little bit drunk. And to his credit, the artist does a slow pan in on the face of a character who doesn't have a face. Yeah, yeah. And the cage demon wolf stops screaming in the third person and is like, you have told me this story before, and I'm saddened to hear an account of this grotesque incident again. And then there's this moment where she, you know, she's like, what the F? And we see the cage demon wolf have this very sedate, intimate personal moment with her and he's like i am even capable of using personal pronouns and he explains this to her and it's this great moment and it's wonderful and i'm like oh my god they've really opened up this relationship and then he reminds her that she's about to black out from alcohol and won't remember any of this yeah yeah, yeah. and it's it's one of those it, it, it's kind of a that moment is a trope in and of itself that you won't remember this tomorrow mm-hmm. but it's a three-page thing where Basically, an alien chastity belt is sitting on a toilet talking to Ninjet, and it's this really wonderful character interaction. It's really beautifully written, mm-hmm. and he talks about mortality and how he's going to miss her when she dies because he's immortal. Just a gorgeous little moment in the middle of this book, this, this, this perfect gem of character interaction. And then he goes back to screaming, and of course she ends up, you know, getting naked for him because that's apparently what they do. It's their friendship. But just a really weird moment to have. And then we cut back to, you know, ninja slashy slashy people getting murdered and sliced to bits. Right, right. So I guess a, a question for you, Rodrigo, then is as we look at story progression, we've already seen how the art changed, how the story becomes deeper. Uh, one of the important things in any story is, do the characters change? Do they evolve? Mm-hmm. What happens here? Because this is really a ninjet volume as opposed right. to an imp um, an imp uh, story. But, I mean, she goes through some change as well, and there are a number of other characters, too, that uh, that make appearances. Well, she does, and really all the... The the three main characters basically get a, some amount of screen time, but Ninja is the one with the most in this volume. Right. And, um, you know, she... I don't know. I mean, here, here's the thing about these characters. One of the things that, that, that bugs me about him is that they actually don't seem to develop that much. You know, by the end of this issue... Ninjet has surmounted incredible odds, but is not really that much closer to getting rid of her daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you look at it from the perspective of character development, Ninjet at the beginning of this volume and at the end of this volume isn't very different. Her life has changed. Right. She's paid off some debts. She's cashed in some debts. Uh, you get to see more of her awesome ninja magic, but... Other than that, you know, I mean, that, do you think that she she's all that different from the beginning to the oh, end? Oh, I don't, I don't think she is. I mean, uh, the character that we've kind of known 
you know, this is looking at her past and mm-hmm. seeing what made her right. the way she is now. So, yeah, I don't really see a lot of change through these events. We can kind of see what, what yeah. she was before Volume right. 1 ever started, before we ever were introduced to Ninjet. But, no, I don't think there was much character development. I, I thought on Imp's side, uh, I think she became a, a little bit deeper as a character. And as Matthew said, uh, the belt, we you know, right. there's some development right. there. Um, yeah. Uh, empowers boyfriend. I don't really think no, there's no change in there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's very, he appears very little in the volume. Right. Yeah, and where he does, he actually, and, and I actually like this to a degree. He's kind of the token chick, mm-hmm. right? He's the main character's quote unquote girlfriend. He's there as eye candy, which you know, if if that's being done as I believe it is, as a statement on standard superhero comics and storytelling tropes. That's nice. That's kind of cool to have that. But really, throughout the whole story, this really isn't, you know, volume seven of Empowered so much as it is volume one of Ninjet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, art. I was going back. Uh, if you want to see Adam Warren, he's uh, obviously the writer artist on this series. Uh, if you want to see some of his other work, you can head over to his Deviant Art page, adamwarren.deviantart.com. And I was going back since I didn't readily have the other volumes sitting here. They're back in the uh, Nerd Room of Doom. Um, I was going back and looking at some art from some of the previous issues, and I just don't remember the art being this detailed and graphic as before. Yes, I remember there being a lot of detail, but this one has. Yeah. A lot more ink, a lot more lines sure, sure. Uh, yeah. than what we've seen before. Rob, what was your what was your take on the art in this in this book? It looked good. I liked that there was a lot of extra stuff in the background, I guess. Yeah, uh, there was a yeah. lot of stuff going on that didn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. But I, the, the characters all looked good. Uh, none of it really, there's any, I didn't have anything to really complain about. It was just, yeah. <laughs> I did have I a complaint that came up in this volume. Okay. That I, I didn't realize, and you can kind of see it in um, the chapter pages, but <clears throat> Adam Warren has a very specific style, and it's very stylized. Right. I don't remember the previous volumes. Um, when the characters, specifically when Ninjet and Empowered go in profile, mm-hmm. their nose yeah, yeah. kind of turtle kind heads. of kind of it, their nose actually looks almost almost like baboon like. Yeah, it yeah. kind of just flips down directly into their their face and their lips and their chin, to where in profile the characters almost don't quite look human. No, they they really look almost teenage mutant ninja turtle ish, to yeah. an extent. Yeah, And I think that that's an intentional change on his part, and I, it's designed to try and give that three-dimensional aspect to what was clearly, you know, a, a cutesy character design where everybody has tiny little Steve Dallas pert noses that you could fit in a bottle cap. Mm-hmm. But that's something that got to me. Otherwise, the every basically every one of his artistic tics, every one of the tricks of the trade in the, pre- the previous six volumes is here with much more detail and more depth. And I feel like as he's darkened the story, he's actually gone to a point where this is this and the last chapter are the most and the least traditional superhero stories we've ever seen with these characters. Right. But the art is going into a really stylized that that, that manga thing where you have like cartoony characters on an ultra realistic background. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. where the characters can the characters can be super deformed or squash and stretch, and the background will still look like you know a, an an ink drawing or a woodcut of of Tokyo circa 1999. So I really enjoyed that part, but those noses were just very distracting for me. Uh, I just I I mean to me there are so many pages that I just so much ink on the page in filling up those details. Um, and then of course you've got the black borders all around, um, really made it dark and deep and thick. I, I guess the thick is the word I'm looking for because it's just like you have to wade through all of that stuff in the panel to see what's going on. Um, yeah. and it, it's not bad, but it's just different from what we've seen before. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it felt very much like you're looking at maybe a more traditional manga uh, series, something that's been woodcut uh, into the page with some of the detail that we see. Um, it, it was just very different from what we've seen before, and I, I, I liked it, but at the same time, it was just like, wow, this is, this is different. Um, I mean, art-wise, I enjoyed it. Uh, I... I've never been a huge fan of Adam Warren. I think that there's a lot going on there that I like, and then there are things about it that I don't like. I really don't like the way he does lips. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they're... everybody ha- and everybody has lips like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like only some characters have lips like that. Well, of course, except for the characters that aren't like humanoid, for example. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah, so obviously he draws pretty girls and sexy girls and sexy guys really well. Uh so that I don't have a problem with, but it's, you know, a, a lot of the times their faces and it's, you know, the the style for empowered specifically mm-hmm. is one where the characters have these like huge round eyes and just those like, I don't know, uh just very specific lips that I find kind of annoying. After a while you get used to the style. So, you know, again, after reading however many volumes, I'm like, okay, well, this is what the style looks like. Let's just move on. But, uh, yeah, his, I mean, you know, as, as far as his progression from then until now, I like it. I think that he's really improved. I think that um, he's clearly taking some risks with, you know, and, and he's using Empowered to do it to, you know, kind of improve his craft with something that there's almost no expectation for, you right. know, nobody, nobody, nobody actually expects Empowered to be any good. Right. Um, yeah. And that's, but, yeah. but that's where those brief flashes of brilliance come from. It's like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, this is actually really excellent mm-hmm. at times. <laughs> so as we wrap up the uh, series, Rob, some final thoughts and give us a recommendation. Is this something that you buy, you borrow, or you skip? Um, I would skip it myself. Uh, I I know a few friends that I would actually specifically recommend it to, but that's just because of their specific likes and tastes and personalities. I think they would enjoy this for what it is. Uh, For most people, I would probably tell them just go ahead and skip it. It's just uh, maybe if I'd gotten in from the beginning, I'd have a different opinion, but I was so lost in this and then got so frustrated with all the overwhelming amount of adultness uh-huh. that it just would it bothered me and I think yeah. it wouldn't bother or I'd Rob needs an adult it. 
Okay, what about you, uh, Rodrigo? Um, I used to date a girl like Empowered. And by that, I mean I used to date a girl like the comic Empowered. Uh-huh. As in, she was very attractive. And we spent about 10% of the time doing fun things. But then the rest of it was kind of dealing with a lot of issues. Um, specifically just, you know... Uh, self-image issues, body issues, and things like that, and in the end, it's just not kind of worth it. And, you know, to sit there and just read this comic where the action will just stop dead and they will talk for 20 minutes about how seven volumes in, they still haven't gotten empowered to admit that she has a cute butt. Like, I I was just not feeling it anymore. Um, Again, at moments, the art is spectacular. At moments, the interactions between the characters are amazing but you have to get through a lot and i don't even i'm not even bothered by the cheesecake i'm bothered by the just the amount of time that is actually just spent talking you know there's a lot of talking in this stuff oh yeah, yeah and at the end of all that talking we are maybe we've moved like a little bit towards fixing things and i don't know when i'm reading my comics I guess to a certain degree, I expect like action movie pacing. You know, mm-hmm. I expect for characters to be like, "What's your problem? My problem is my father. Get over it." Okay, I have final scene mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And the fact that we're still dealing with this is just generally kind of annoying. Um, I would say if you picked up the last six issues or six volumes of Exalt of uh, Empowered, you'll probably like this. Yeah. Um, if you haven't, then you probably won't. I'd say flip to the first one, and if you liked it, get that one. Um, for me, uh, I, I I had some troubled spots in in this volume. Uh, some of the art being a little bit um, too thick and too over the top. Some of the violence it didn't really bother me, but uh, it seemed like, especially as they point out in the end, oh, the fight scene was supposed to go on for a hundred pages. Um, it, it, it's an okay. I, I think this is certainly a borrow. If you're a fan of Empowered, obviously, you probably bought it like I already did. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's not like the first volume. It's not like the second volume. So uh, take that into heart. I think probably overall this is a borrow from me. Matthew, what about you? This book is aimed at me or someone very much like me because this book exists at the center of a Venn diagram combining cheesecake superhero stories and tropes and um the the japanese chop sake films with the ultra ultra violence mm-hmm. where the story of ricky where you punch a guy so hard his head explodes right i i am the target audience for this book so my opinion is going to be biased by the fact that it's aimed at me i like pretty girls i like fighty fighty i like everything in the superhero science fiction thing that said the time travel thing is fascinating from the perspective of reading it again the second time and seeing the construction that Scott McCloud understanding comics thing. Mm-hmm. We are clearly dealing with someone who has mastered his craft and is now really experimenting and finding ways to keep himself and to keep the reader on their toes. And I would say in this case, the experiment was troubling. Mm-hmm. It didn't necessarily fail for me, but had I not done a second read-through... After the first read-through, I kind of felt like it failed. I went back through again and went, oh, that's what that meant. So the rereadability is definitely there, but 
the rereadability having to be part of my enjoyment knocks it down a peg. I would say if you've read the first vo- six volumes, this is a definite pickup. If you read volume six and loved it, this is a definite pickup. I would agree with Stephen. If you haven't read any Empowered, this is probably not the best place to start. Mm-hmm. Because it has some great moments to it, but this is an atypical volume of this series. And what it's really done is it's taken a character who started out as that one-note joke, that OT, her costume gets ripped and her powers go away, and it's really given her some depth. And they actually toy with you know, her limitations and her abilities here and give us some very big hints you know, in the, at the end of the last volume, she went all one-winged angel on us mm-hmm. and doesn't remember it for some right, reason. Right. But they're really playing with that. I think that the most jarring thing for me is in a comic where girls are running around naked, I'm 41 years old. And I'm not saying I'm going to go buy a comic to look at naked women. But if the story says this girl is naked and she has throwing stars pasted over her nipples every time she's naked – that to me is kind of, you know, it, it's something where you're hedging your bets. Yes, you're not doing porn, and that's, that's great, and that's fine, and it's a dark horse, and you may have to do that. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a point where you're just kind of like, if we're doing something where we're watching people's heads being chopped off, why are we blocking out the middle two letters of the F-bomb? Right, right, right. You know, if, if the sex is being pretty graphically shown, I mean, we're talking Cinemax after dark sex here. Mm-hmm. Why are we why are we hiding Ninjet's nipples all the time? Not that I'm saying I want to see Ninjet's nipples. I'm just saying that from the perspective of the story that he's telling, the adult content that turned Rob off is actually disconcerting to me, not because it's such in your face adult content, but because we're we're skating that line of this is in your face adult content. But also, we can't show you this, so her pigtails are going to cover anything that would be inappropriate. You know, right. it's, it's, it's the, the X-Men as brought to you by Pizza Hut. Right. And I think that it, it kind of does itself a disservice there as well. Overall, I would recommend it to the right people. I would not recommend it to anyone under the age of 21. I would not recommend it to anyone who has a problem with violence. I would not recommend it to anyone of a feminist bent or anyone who would be easily offended by some problematic portrayals of the female characters. But I would say, cautiously, in the right setting, this is, this is a book that I would recommend to people. I'd say it's definitely a check it out, but don't necessarily start here. All right. Thank you, everyone, for uh, your comments and your thoughts on Empowered Volume 7. And, of course, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening, being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Princeless. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Well, to Princess Neil, before you, just go ahead now. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler 
away If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little me would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major spoilers It's copyright 2012